My name is Jason, by the way. I'm, I'm the youth pastor here at Alpine Church. Uh, and, and so before we get into this, I, real quick, I want to, we, just, we launched Kids Church this morning. Uh, and so that was pretty awesome. We had, we had kids in there kind of getting back to, to a little bit of normal, right? And so with that, we also want to launch our, our youth group. Uh, so if you are in that age range, 7th through 12th grade, I'm going to excuse you guys now. If you head out the door and go to the hallway down the left, into, I think it's room two. You'll see some people down there. Um, there we're, we got the youth class going again, so we're excited about that. that this has been my heart, uh, this ministry, for the past three years before I was, I was called in to, to serve as the youth pastor. Uh, I, I never saw my life going down that path, and so it was, it was, it, it, it was crazy. And so uh, here we are today, and, and, and we're, we're stuck in this just mess Right, you look out, you, you turn on the news, and, and you look at what's going on. You see social media, and you see just the the craziness that is ensuing uh, in our world. And it's um, and here we're going to talk about being positive. So let's just get this out of the way, okay? Uh, I know that I have a pretty sweet tan line going on on my forehead somewhere, okay, which draws attention to my already ginormous head. I know, I have a big head, okay, it's okay. So I'm just putting that out there so you guys are aware that I know that's there, okay? Yesterday, uh, we did three hours of lacrosse, and then we, uh, Scott and Melanie Kreps, we had their going away party yesterday, and so I spent all day out in the sun with a hat on, not thinking about it. And this morning, my beautiful wife, uh, who is a, a respiratory therapist, she's on the, the front lines for all this stuff, she woke me up before she went to work, and she said, hey, do you want me to put some bronzer on your forehead? <laughs> and I was like, listen, as a youth pastor, I, I'm okay. I can handle the kids mocking me for my Neapolitan ice cream dome going on right now. Okay, I can handle that. The moment they find out that I'm wearing makeup, like I'm done. I'll never be a youth pastor ever again, okay? <laughs> and so I, I was like, and then she did the whole like, hey, bronzer isn't really makeup. I was like, no, we're, no we are done here, okay? So I stood my ground. Listen, I did theater for a long time. I wore makeup, okay? I'll just throw it out there. Like, I'm, I'm comfortable with who I am. I, I, not in youth. Theater's one thing. Youth is, no, I'm not wearing makeup. So, so, I, I, so anyway, so we're, we're, in, we're in this series, the Bright Side series, and I'm thinking, like, okay, I'm going to go, and we're, and we're talking about prayer. Okay, we're talking about prayer, and it's like, uh, we need to pray real quick for, for Pastor Chris. Here's the thing. I don't know when the last time Pastor Chris was here teaching, um, but he took the clicker with him. For, to change the slides. He took the clicker when he left. And I know it wasn't last week, so I don't know how long you guys have been without the clicker, okay? And so um, we, we just need to pray for him. I want to throw him under the, the bus really fast because I don't know how you do it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to control the slides with my phone, and, and hopefully it went pretty well last service, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. But we're, we're talking about praying, okay? And in, in this, it, it's been interesting to me how many times I hear people say, I don't know how to pray, Right? Or there's like a fear of prayer. Like even for adults, like maybe, maybe you've spent your whole life praying and you still, there's that fear of like, I'm going to say something dumb while I'm praying, which I do all the time. Like it's okay, okay? People make fun of you a little bit when it's over, but th there's this fear. And maybe you grew up in a home where prayer was kind of this like formal, like it had to be a certain way. For me growing up, it was like you, you got to fold your arms, you got to bow your head, you got to close your eyes. And there was that like if, you, like if you sneak a peek during the prayer, like it's over. Like God doesn't accept that prayer anymore if you sneak a peek. Right? And, and that just doesn't really seem fair anymore. But, or maybe you grew up in a home where there just wasn't, there, there was no prayer life at all. Right? And so even to this day, just to say God's name is kind of an intense 
feeling or an intense moment for you, right? Like there, there's, so that there's all kinds of different spectrum. We fall in different places on the spectrum in our, in our prayer life. And so to today, in light of this series, The Bright Side, I, I want to focus on one important lesson um, uh, about prayer. And that's, it, 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 that's <laughs> prayer can be optimistic and it can be uplifting even in times like this. Even when things aren't going that great, when life is crazy and, and we're not sure what's coming next, we can still have optimism when we pray. The Bible would use words like faith and hope, right? So we can have faith and, and, and hope when we pray, even when things aren't going our way. So the point today, what I want you to walk away with is that you can have a bright outlook on life in any circumstances. Okay, Re- regardless of your circumstances of what's going on, you can have a bright outlook. Now, prayer... Uh, it's not only a way for us to express that, but it actually helps us to experience that. Okay, and so what we're going to do, we're going to be looking at a, at a story from a book in the Old Testament. Uh, so we're going to be camped out in Habakkuk. So if you have a Bible or Bible app, go ahead and open there. And, you know, there's, there's so many words in the Bible that we're just really not sure how to say. And so Habakkuk is the way I'm going to go with it. If you do the Habakkuk or the Habakkuk, like whatever, okay, that, that's the book. You guys know what I'm talking about. That's the book. We're in, and we're going to be in chapter 3 for, for the majority of the day. So um, go ahead and open to there, and, 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 and we'll just we'll go with that. So, uh, you know, when, when Habakkuk, when he wrote this book, things were a mess for Israel. Okay, they, 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 things were not going their way, and it was kind of one of those things like rock bottom was, was, was on its way. Like, have you guys ever experienced one of those moments where you, where you hit rock bottom, and it was like something that, that forced you to finally wake up? We are like, I, I, I can't screw around anymore. Like, I need to, I need to get serious about this. For me, uh, a couple of years ago, I had an experience. I, I went into the doctor just for my uh, regular annual checkup, and, you know, they ran all the tests and took blood and stuff, and when the test came back, and they, and they said, hey, you are uh, pre-diabetic. And they're like, like you're the, you're, you can't get any closer to the line without actually being diabetic. Like, it was in this dangerous area, and, and they said, so here's what we can do. We can either start you on some medication that, that'll, that'll help with that, or we can maybe look at, at some, some lifestyle changes. I thought, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a spring chicken anymore, uh, and I go to bed at 2 or 3 in the morning because I'm up all night playing Minecraft with the youth students, because that's what you do at my age. Um, I, I eat pizza or McDonald's every single day. I eat, drink at least one energy, energy drink and six Mountain Dews every day. I was like, yeah, let's start there. Like, let, let's, let's work on that first. Let's make some lifestyle changes before we get on some, some medication. And, and listen, like, I can joke about it now, but at, at the time, like, that, that was scary. That's scary. And, and, and that's, that's a big health issue and stuff. And listen, I know that many of you in this room have had way more serious wake-up calls than that. Okay, way more, way more serious wake-up calls. And, and this is the place where God's people, uh, where they're at, what they're about to face in Habakkuk's time. And so they'd been, they'd been kind of just messing around for generations. Okay, they'd been treating God with, with disrespect. They'd been ignoring him. They'd been chasing after false gods. Okay, they'd basically just been living their life however they wanted to. Okay, it, it was party all day, party all night. Like they'd just been doing whatever they wanted to do. And God had sent prophet after prophet after prophet to call them back, to bring them back to him. He patiently waited for them to, to get the picture until one day he was done. Right? He was finally like, you know what? Enough. I'm going to do something that's going to get your attention in a big way. What he was about to do, God was about to violently conquer the nation of Israel. He was going to use this, this military behemoth, okay, that was known as the, the Babylonian Empire. 
He was going to use them to, to come in and conquer his own people. Habakkuk, he's, he's a prophet of God. He knows that this is coming. Okay, he knows what's about to happen. He knows it's going to be devastating. And so he writes this book. And the book is only three chapters long. Okay, and so the, the first two chapters he spends kind of uh, reasoning and, and, and questioning God. Okay, God, what are your motives here? And, and, and how can you do this to us? Right? And, he, and he does all that. And then finally in the third chapter, he just resolves all of his concerns into prayer. Okay, so that's what we get to look at in the third chapter. Here's this prayer that Habakkuk sends up to God. Now, what we can learn from this is how to pray with confident optimism. Even when you don't like what's happening in your life, even when you don't like what's going on in the world, which honestly is probably most of us, right? If we, if we look around, it's, it's pretty hard right now to be positive about like, yeah, I kind of like the way things are going. Like that's that most of us aren't, aren't in that place. And so uh, the first point I want to make how to, how to pray with optimism is this. Remember who God is and what he has done for you in the past. Okay, remember who God is and what he's done for you in the past. See, the Bible consistently focuses on two things about God, who he is and what he's done. Okay, and they're really, they're two sides of the same, of the same coin, who he is and what he's done. And when we, when we remember those two things, that can give us optimism when we pray. Like, I, I don't know, if, if you've ever had to ask somebody to borrow money, like, that's one of the worst things we can experience, right? Like, you have to really humble yourself and, and swallow your pride to ask somebody to borrow money. And, and maybe some of you have been blessed, like, with somebody in your life who you know that you can trust with that, right? Who you know that you can go to and, and ask for money and they won't judge you or, or criticize you, right? And so if you've been blessed with somebody like that, God bless you. And maybe, uh, maybe that person has lent you money before, right? And they've, and they've been gracious about it. And so because of, of, of that, you now feel comfortable. Like, you know if you ever had to ask for money again, you could go to that person, because one, of what they've done in the past, and two, because of who they are. So you see where, where, where I'm going with that. This is, this is how Habakkuk approaches God in this prayer. So let's get into this. Right at the beginning, verses 1 and 2 of chapter 3. It says, This prayer was sung by the prophet Habakkuk. I have heard all about you. Lord, I am filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in the years gone by. And in your anger, remember your mercy. So you can kind of see here, just in, in, in verse 2, you can see both sides of the coin. He says, he says Lord, I, I've heard all about you. Okay, in, the, in the NIV translation, he says, I, I've heard of your fame. Okay, he's saying, I, I've heard of you, God. I know who you are. Okay, and then he goes on, to, he says, I, I'm in awe. I'm filled with awe by, by your amazing works. So he says, I know who you are. And he says, I know what you've done. I know who you are, and I know what you've done. So when we pray, we should start by, by thinking about what God is like. Okay, we should set our hearts right and think about what God has done in our lives. And that can be, that can be based off of what you've read in the Bible. It can be based off what you've heard in a sermon. That can be based off your own personal life experience. But when we, we pray, we, we start by, by praising God. God, you are faithful God, you are powerful. God, you are caring. God, you are merciful. God, you are good. A lot of Christians, when they, when they, before they pray, they like to get into the book of Psalms, right? And, and, and they read Psalms before they get into prayer because Psalms is really just, it's full of rich truths about God. And so that helps them get in a, in a good mindset of, of like, I'm going to start by praising God. The Psalms remind us of, of what kind of God he is, who he is, so they can help us pray with optimism. 
Habakkuk, he prays, he says, in, in this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. So his, his prayer connects uh, who God is to what his current needs are. And we can pray that, that, that same way. We can pray like that too. Like, God, I don't, I don't know what to do. God, I need your wisdom. God, I don't know if I can get through this. I don't know if I can make it through. I, I need your strength. God, I'm going into this, this tough situation, and I really need you to be there with me. So we can pray that same way. We can connect our needs to, to things God has, has done for us because that's God's track record with his people. Okay, Habakkuk, he, he knows that, so he's saying, God, I, we deserve your discipline. I know we've screwed up. I know we've mocked your holiness. I know that we are owed what's coming, but then he calls on God's past history of helping his people to appeal to him to help now. God, you've helped us in the past. You've been there for us. You've protected us. You've provided for us in the past. Please do it again. As we get a little bit further into his, into his prayer in verses 3 through 15, he, he kind of recounts the, the story of, of God's saving acts on the people of Israel, the things God's done in the past. And he, he specifically focuses on the, the time that God brought them out of slavery in Egypt. Can God use these powerful miracles? And, 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 and he, he says, well, we don't have to go through the whole thing. We'll just read a couple of verses in verse 7 and 8. He says, I see the people of Cushan in distress and the nation of Midian trembling in terror. Was it in anger, Lord, that you struck the rivers and parted the sea? Were you displeased with them? No. You were sending your chariots of salvation. See, the ancient nations of Cushan and Midian, they, they stood by in, in fear when God was rescuing Israel from Egypt. And you think about it, when we read this story, like we, uh, for me, I, I only picture these, these, two, these two entities, right? It was just Egypt and Israel. But think about all the other people who were present during that time. There's all these other people who witnessed and heard about the things that, that God was doing, and, and that was impacting their life in a huge way too. And so Habakkuk is calling memory, calling attention to that. We read in Exodus what, he, what he's talking about. He's talking about when he talks about when God struck the sea. He's talking about when he turned the Nile River to blood. Right, when God parted the sea, when, 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 when the Egyptian army had the Israelites, they had, they had their backs up against the, the, the seashore. God parted the sea for them to cross on, on dry ground. He says these acts of God on their behalf were like chariots of salvation. That's how Habakkuk describes that. And so in these verses 3 through 15, he's, 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 he's purposely remembering what God had done. He's purposely calling that to uh, attention. And so, so here's how we can pray. First of all, before we, before we jump in and, and start asking God for stuff, right, which, which, like God expects that. God expects us to come to him and, and ask for things. But, we, but before we start doing that, before we, we jump in and, and ask him for things, we can remember and we can restate the things he's done for us in the past. God, I remember that, that tough conversation I had to have and you gave me words to speak. God, I remember how you got me through that really hard semester in school. God, I, I remember when I needed childcare so that I could get a new job and you provided someone in my life for that. My own personal example of this, I, you know, whenever I start worrying about money, uh, you know, the, the future of our economy, I, I think back about Eight years ago or so, my, um, my wife and I, we had amassed this, this crazy amount of medical debt. We had our youngest son, he, he had a, a seizure just out of nowhere, uh, just unexplained, and uh, between 
the, the ambulance ride and, and all the tests and, 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 every, and everything they did at the first hospital, and then we got sent to primaries, and they ran this, more of the same tests, and, and the bills just piled up like it was crazy how quick it added up, and we were in this place where, like, what are we going to do? Like, we hadn't planned for this. We, we, hadn't, we didn't have money set aside for this. Our insurance wasn't the best, and then this, this company that I was working for, all of a sudden, I don't know, they, they offered this Dave Ramsey class. Right? And listen, this isn't a shameless plug for Dave Ramsey. Okay, that's not what it is. This, is. this is God knew exactly what we needed, and he used this to provide for us. And so now when, when I start thinking, when I start worrying about money, when I start thinking like, man, I don't know if I'm on the right track for retirement, I don't know if I'm setting the right money aside, if I'm investing in the right places, like, whew, God, you've, you've provided for me. You've provided for me in the past, and so I'm going to trust you moving forward. I'm going to trust you with the decisions and, the, and, and what I'm doing in my life. And so that whole middle part of the chapter, it, it, you know, it's saying, when you pray, remember what God has done in the past. That's the whole point of, of this middle. And that's the, for, for most of us, this is probably the easiest part of prayer. Right? Because it's the whole, like, hindsight is twenty twenty thing. Like, it's so easy to look back and be like, oh, okay, I see what you were doing there, God. When in the moment, we might be mad. Like, what, God, why are you not doing anything? Why are you not making something happen. But after it's happened, we look back and be like, oh, okay, yeah, I see what God did there, right? Like hindsight is twenty twenty, and so it's easy to look back and be, to be thankful for what God was doing in our life. But now we're going to get into to some of the, the harder parts of prayer like this, patiently submitting to God's timing. Like we don't, we don't do that. We don't do that here in America. Like we are not patient people, right? We want gratification now. One thing about prayer is it's so easy to get discouraged, right? When God doesn't answer the prayer in our timing, when God doesn't answer the prayer in the way that we think he should, what happens is we start to, we start to lose faith. We start to lose hope a little bit, right? We can get very pessimistic, and then we start to point fingers at God like it's his fault. We, we blame him for not doing what, what we want him to do, for not acting on, on our time. But in this prayer, Habakkuk, he, he submits his expectations to God's timing, Think about how difficult that would have been. Right? Like he knows what's about to happen. There's this impending doom about to befall the nation of Israel. And he steps back and he says, but you know what, God? It's, this is your timing. He submits to what God is doing. And then, and then we see uh, in verse 16, we kind of see his emotions take over. He says, I trembled inside when I heard this. My lips quivered with fear. My legs gave way beneath me and, and I shook in terror. I will wait quietly for the coming day when disaster will strike the people who invade us. See, Habakkuk, he, he knew that the, the nation was about to go through something horrific. He knew it was about to, to happen to them, but he also knew that God was still in control. That God had a plan through all of this. That, that, and so he, he, he adopts this, this attitude of, of quiet trust in God. Right? The invasion hasn't even happened yet. These people haven't even shown up to invade, but he knows that God is more powerful than even this mighty Babylonian army, just as God was more powerful than the Egyptians. And so he resigns to, to God's control, and that's why he's optimistic in this prayer. That's why he says, I'm going to wait quietly for the day to come when God makes it right. I love that. Like They haven't even been attacked yet, and he's like, God, I, I, I wait for the day when you get back at these people who attacked us, even though they haven't attacked them yet. Like He knows that justice will be served. He knows that God will make it right in the end. And, he, and, and there's a reason why, why this is verse 16 and not verse 1. 
Okay, because I, I believe that when Habakkuk started, he wasn't in this place. He hadn't relinquished control to God. He, haven't given, given, he hadn't given God control until he, he kind of went through the process of saying, okay, I remember when you did this, God. I remember what you've done before. I remember how you've protected us in the past. And now he was able to get to this place where he said, okay, this is, this is out of my control. This isn't me. This is, this is on you. So we can see this, that when he gets to this place of surrender, he's recognizing God's character. He's recognizing God's track record. And we can do that same thing. We can, we can pray with optimism, and, and it's, that's what surrender does for us. God, I surrender to what you're doing with my job. Even though I, I despise my coworkers, I don't like my boss, I hate what I have to do day in and day out, I surrender to you because I know that you have my best interest in mind. God, I surrender to you what you're doing in my family because we didn't ask for this sickness. We didn't ask for our child to be affected in this way. But God, you're at work, and I trust you because I know you love me, so I surrender to you. God, I surrender because I know that you're good. I know that you care. I know that you love me. And then we get to kind of the final part of the prayer, which is, is probably the most encouraging, but also the most challenging, I, I think, for most of us. See, Habakkuk, he doesn't, he doesn't just kind of settle for this passive like resignation of what's happening. He's not like, well, it is what it is. Right? and just move on with things. See, he ends up being on a very positive note when he ends his prayer. What that shows us is that we need to stay confident in God no matter what happens. And listen, I know that that's not an easy ask. Right? Stay confident in God no matter what happens. You mean when God tells me no? You mean when God does exactly the opposite of what I ask for? You want me to still stay confident? And what God's doing, that's why I think this is probably the most difficult part of prayer. Now, again, remember, Habakkuk, he's, he's a prophet of God, okay? He knows what's coming. He's seen what the Babylonian Empire has done to some of the surrounding nations. He, he recounts some of it for us here, verse 17. He says, even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields are, like, are empty and barren, even though the, flo- even though the flocks die in the fields, and the cattle barns are empty. Like, look at what he's painting this. He sees this, this, this situation where the whole economy is collapsing. Sounds a little familiar. <laughs> and he's painting the, this picture for us, and it's unlike anything we've ever seen. This is a total collapse. Everything is failing. And then, and then look what he does. He continues on, verse 18. He says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. See, in spite of everything that's going on, in spite of the world about to come down on him, he says, and yet, I will trust in the Lord. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. And so what, what I see here, what I think we should see here is that joy is not a product of our environment. Okay, it's more a posture of, of our heart. It's very easy to be optimistic when, when things are going well, right? When the economy's booming, family's in good shape, our, our kids are following Jesus, hallelujah, right? Our marriages, we haven't fought for two days. Like when things are going really good, it's easy to be optimistic. But here's, here's the secret. Christians can be filled with joy 
and faith even when things are really tough. Because it's not, it's not based on the power of positive thinking. Okay, it's not like true joy comes from having the perfect feng shui set up in your living room, which you spend a lot of time on it and it looks really good, so I thank you for doing that, right? But it does, that's not what it comes from. Our true joy comes from Jesus and, and what he did for us. It comes down to, to who God is and what he's done for us. Habakkuk says, I'm rejoicing in the Lord. I'm rejoicing in the God of my salvation. He says, with God as my strength, I can be as sure-footed as a deer walking along the mountain. <laughs> in other words, he says, I can move forward in life with confidence. I can move forward in life with assurance. Let me tell you guys why. There's, there's two promises of, of God that, that give us that kind of confidence, no matter what we're going through, no matter what our life looks like. The first one is this. As Christians, God is always for you. God is always for you. Look at what it says, Romans 8.31. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who could ever stand against us? Now listen, of, of course people can be against you. And we know that Satan's against us. Right? The odds can be, can be a, a completely stacked against you. But what matters is that God is for you. In the midst of all that, in the midst of the attacks and, and, and the temptations and the things that affect our lives, God is for you. The verse right after this, Romans 8, 8 32, is, is proof of that. It says that God didn't even spare his own son. He gave his son for you, for me. There's no question that God is for us if he would do something like that. The cross proves that if you belong to Jesus, God is for you. The second promise is this. So, so the first one is that God is for you. The second promise is this. As Christ followers, God is always with you. So God is for you. God is with you. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? A lot of us put our confidence in money, in our careers, in our families, in so many other places. And it's not that those things are inherently bad. But those things are fleeting. Those things will be gone. Those things abandon you. Money, money doesn't care about you. But God will never abandon you. He says, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. He doesn't say, I'll be here until you screw up. I'll be here until you do that one thing that I told you not to do. I'll be here until you don't have any more money to pay tithing. I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So here's how we pray. God, you, you are my strength. I'm facing some tough things. Right? I'm, 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 I'm unemployed. I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills. I'm overwhelmed between working from home and, and, and doing this homeschool thing with my kids. Oh my gosh, how many of us have had our eyes open to how ridiculous that is? Right? If you were a teacher, God bless you. Thank you. I love you. And especially if you're my kid's teacher, whew, like, we need God in something so simple. 
And something so simple. Maybe it's God, I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of fighting cancer. God, I'm, 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 I'm troubled by what's happening in our nation. I don't understand the, the hatred and the confusion. God, I'm, 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 my marriage is unraveling. God, my kids aren't doing very well. I don't know what to do, but I'm confident because of you. I'm optimistic because of you. I'm hanging on to my faith because of who you are and what you've done for me in the past and because of the promises that you offer me. And so let me close with this. As, as, we, as we look around the world, as we, as we look at what's going on around us, there are plenty of reasons to be pessimistic. There are plenty of reasons to be pessimistic, but the truth is our our optimism comes not from looking at the things of this world, but from looking at God. Our optimism shouldn't come from things of this world because they're all broken. They're all failing. They're all fleeting. Our optimism should come from God. We can know with confidence these things that we're looking at right now, these things that Habakkuk wrote about in in chapter 3. God has a plan. And he's working it out. God is great. He's greater than any evil out there, anything that we can face in our life. God can be trusted to to care and provide for his people. God can be trusted to do what's best for us, even when we don't like what he's doing, even when we wish it was easier, even when we wish he would do something else. We can trust God because he loves us, because he's always with us, because he's always for us. And so, my question is do you know that God? Do you know that God? Because he's done something for you that nobody else would ever do or could ever do. And he said, listen, I I know what you're going to go through. The way the world is right now, that doesn't surprise him. God's not shocked with what's happening. And he knew we would be stuck in this place. He knew that we would be consumed with the things that are going on. And so here's what he did. He came down to us. Listen, Christianity is the only religion in the world where God came to us. Every other religion is about us reaching him. How to better yourself, how to be better, how to obtain this whatever. Every other religion in the world. But in Christianity, God came to us. The person of Jesus Christ, and he lived this perfect, sinless life. Something we could never do. Ever. Like, I don't know if you've ever tried to go a day without sinning. I, there, was a, there was a day I thought, you know what, tomorrow, I'm going to not sin. So I set my alarm to wake up, and, got, and my, my plan was like, I'm just not going to do anything. I'm going to do nothing, because then I won't sin, right? And so I, my alarm goes off, and I get up, and I'm going to get my coffee, and I step on a Lego, boom, mission over. Like, it was ugly, the things that came out of my mouth, like, I, it, I was done, that quick. If you've ever tried to go without sinning, we are broken, We can't do it, and yet he lived his entire life without sin. That should be enough, but it wasn't. He wasn't done. He wasn't done. He allowed himself to be captured. He allowed himself to be mistried in this mock trial, and then he gets spit on and beat and tortured and whipped. And then he's like, I'm still not done. Now I'm going to allow myself to be hung on a cross and die a sinner's death even though I'm sinless. 
He paid the price for us, the, the death that we deserve, the penalty that we deserve. He said, I'm going to pay it and I'll pay it all. He was sinless and he died for us. Do you know that God who cares for you enough to do that for you? Listen, if you don't, you can. You can know him today. You can know him personally. You can know him intimately. And those promises that he offers us, you can have those. Because when you trust in Jesus and what he did on the cross, God is with you and God is for you. Let's pray. God, you are truly an amazing God. A God who loves us unconditionally. God, no matter where we're at, no matter what our struggles are, no matter what problems we're facing, God, no matter the horrible things we've done in our past, God, you are awe-inspiring, you're gracious, you're loving. And God, we have, we have so much to be thankful for, God, but that, that one thing, the one thing you, you did for us, God, when you sent your son to pay for our sins, God, something we didn't deserve, something we, we didn't earn, God, and we could never repay you for that. God, you've proven over and over that your word is true, that your promises are trustworthy. And God, I know there's people in this room right now that need some of these things we've been talking about, God, that need your strength, that need your wisdom, God, that need your peace. Or maybe, maybe God, they just need your presence in a current situation that they're, they're dealing with in their life, God. And so I pray that you make yourself known to them. God, I pray that you move in their world, God, that you, you come into their lives in a way that there's no way they could discount it. God, that there's no way they could ignore it. I just pray you do work. God, thank you for being a God who is always with us. God, who is always for us. As the scripture says, if you are for us, who could stand against us? God, we have so much to be grateful for. No matter where we're at in life, God, you've done so much for us. So God, I pray we can focus on those things, God, that we can be optimistic, that we can be joyful even in the midst of the craziness in our world right now because of who you are and what you've done. Thank you so much, God, for, for who you are, for being a loving and gracious God, for being a forgiving God. We praise you and we honor you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.